0: It's off to the streets of Long Beach, California for the 47th Acura Grand Prix of Long Beach. This week's edition of Pit Pass Indy features an in-depth interview with two-time Acura Grand Prix of Long Beach winner Will Power of Team Penske. Power is the only driver to have won the annual street race in both the Champ Car World Series and the current IndyCar Series. Power drove to victory in the Champ Car Series finale on April twentieth, two 2008. He started fourth and raced his KV Racing Technology Panos Ford to victory after leading 81 of the 83 laps in the race. It was the final race for the Champ Car Series that day, but the contest also paid points toward the current IndyCar Series. Earlier that day at Twin Ring Motegi in Japan, Danica Patrick became the first female driver ever to win an IndyCar race in a contest that featured the teams and drivers from the Indy Racing League. That was the only time since the merger of the two series in February 2008 that two different races were held on the same day featuring the Champ Car Series and the Indy Racing League. In 2012, Power drove to his second Acura Grand Prix of Long Beach victory in the current IndyCar series. He started 12th and drove to victory after leading 22 laps. Throughout Power's career, he has led 170 laps at Long Beach and has six podium finishes, including his two victories. Power enters this week's 47th Acura Grand Prix of Long Beach, second in points with 69 points. Team Penske teammate Scott McLaughlin is the points leader with 97 points. Power started second and finished third in the season-opening Firestone Grand Prix of St. Petersburg on February 27th. He started fourth and finished fourth in the Expel 375 at Texas Motor Speedway on March 20. Here is my exclusive interview from Will Powers' house overlooking Lake Norman in North Carolina. For Pit Pass Indy. Joining us now on Pit Pass Indy is an old friend. It's Team Penske driver Will Power. Will, we're back up here enjoying another lovely afternoon on Lake Norman in North Carolina. But you're getting ready to go somewhere else this weekend, the Acura Grand Prix of Long Beach. You're the only driver that has won there in the Champ Car Series and the IndyCar Series in the races that they've had at uh, Long Beach. That's got to be a nice little unique honor to have. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, it's always
1: good to see some of those unique <laughs> records or honor, honors or whatever you want to call it. But uh, it's a favorite event of mine, favorite track of mine. Um, as far as you know, street courses and events go, it's got a lot of history. It's a, it's a very Cool atmosphere with uh, with always a very big crowd So um, and a party sort of atmosphere, I'd say. Uh, definitely the one that you want to win in your career. You get your face what are they, engraved in Victory Lane there, which is really cool. There's some um, pretty legendary names and faces in there. And I'm lucky to have two faces in there, which is awesome.
0: When you go back and look at the history of that race, in 1975, it started off as a Formula 5000 race. Brian Redman won that. He was a big name in auto racing. But beginning in 76 through 83, it was a Formula One race. And when you think of the greats of Formula One that competed there, and then in 84, it became a cart race. Yeah. You think of all the great names there, like yeah. Al Unser Jr., Michael Andretti, Yeah. and all the great drivers that won there when it was a cart race. You won the final Champ Car Series race in history, which was the 2008, at that time, the Toyota Grand Prix of Long Beach. Now it's the Acura Grand Prix of Long Beach. But that was the final time the Champ Car Series ever had a race. The points counted toward the Indy Racing League championship. Earlier that day, the original IRL teams had competed in Motegi, and Danica Patrick won the race that day It was really a very unique day of racing. And what do you recall about the last time you were going to go out there and drive in the Cosworth-powered Champ car?
1: It was uh, a very bittersweet uh, victory. One, because, I mean, it was bitter because I absolutely loved that series. I thought the cars were fantastic. And, um, uh, you know, it was really sad to me that that that, era of car that you know the the Cosworth engine with you know big horsepower the car was light was going away and we're all going to the the car that we ended up with until 2011 the end of 2011 um and but it was just yeah an amazing day to to win to win that race and uh yeah it was yeah it was interesting I won the race and Danica won her first race so Obviously, all the uh, coverage. <laughs> I mean, she actually ended up being at the Grand Prix there. And um, yeah, she was certainly the focal point. But uh, for me, it was, it was a sad day to see the end of Champ Car. But it was also, uh, it was great that the merger happened. It had to happen. And now you've got what we got now, which is you know,
0: the most competitive open wheel series in the world. And then in 2012, you came back with Team Penske and was able to win the Toyota Grand Prix of Long Beach in the current IndyCar. So to be able to be the only guy that has won the race in both different types of cars, how unique is that?
1: Yeah, um, sure. It was really cool to win the last champ car race and uh, then, you know, win again in the Merge Series. It's it's, it's a tough one to, to win, and like I said... Uh, you know, earlier, it's certainly one you want to tick off. It's, you know, I would say of all the events, you've got the Indy 500, and I would say that's the next race you want to win after the Indy 500 because of its history. Um, There's a bit of prestige with all that.
0: Not only its history and prestige, but also the backdrop, the excitement, the crowd, the buzz, the fact that it's Southern California. It's more than just a street race, it's a street festival. How much of that do the drivers feel? i
1: I feel that it's yep yeah, the atmosphere matters. It's just a it's a place you really look forward to going to. It's always sunny there, knock on wood uh, <laughs> but uh yeah, very party atmosphere. The majority of fans are not race fans. they're actually there for the festival, so. Yep, you definitely get that vibe and I I love it. I love the fact the hotels inside the track and um there's a bunch of fans always in the lobby there. It's just a it's, it'll be a, it'll be something when I stop racing, it'll
0: be it'll be an event that I'll really miss. And as far though, as the party atmosphere, I know that you are a drummer and one of the great things about that race, they usually have a couple of big name concerts there every night? Have you been tempted to go up there and play the drums with Cheap Trick or any of the other headliners they've had there in the past? No, but I heard, I could hear it from a hotel
1: room to hear Cheap Trick playing, which is pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, there's always something for the fans to do there. Uh, Like you said, they have concerts there, and I think in the convention center there, they also have a lot of really cool displays and um, you know all sorts of things to do, so and plenty of series. It's a it's a cool event. It's like I said, it's it's probably second on the list of the ones that you want to say that you won.
0: Now, as far as the season goes, you're second in points after two races. Team Penske's won both races. Yeah. Your teammate Scott McLaughlin won the first season opening race. The Firestone Grand Prix of St. Petersburg. Looked like he was going to make it two for two before your other teammate, Joseph Newgarden, got a fantastic run on him on the last lap, passed him in the last turn of the last lap to win the race at Texas Motor Speedway. But yet here you are second in points. How would you describe the way your season has begun?
1: Yeah, it's just very consistent, very kind of methodical, uh, well-thought-out races taking as much as we can for the situations that, uh, you know, we had or were dealt as far as, you know, yellows and all that sort of thing. And yeah, it's the way to win a championship is to continually finish in the top five. Obviously you have to throw a few wins in there, like two or three wins to win a championship, uh, because you're going to have a couple of bad results. But if you look at the averages over the years, you know, to be super competitive, you've, You've got to to be there, top five every week. It's so competitive now. If you fall out of that top five, you start to fall behind in points.
0: So as you move on to the Acura Grand Prix of Long Beach, it'll be the second street race out of three races this season. In May, May 1st, we'll be at Barber Motorsports Park for the Honda Indy Grand Prix of Alabama, then it'll be another road course race on the Indianapolis Motor Speedway Road Course, the GMR Grand Prix, before you get to the big race, the 106 Indianapolis 500. But you, as a very top-notch street and road racer, do you look at these races as a tremendous opportunity for you to bank points away before you get back on an oval in the Indy 500? I, you know, I was just thinking about that, and I actually
1: now... You know, you go through races and sometimes you you know, pinpoint a race where, yeah, I'm very good there. But I, I want to say it's almost the case at every track now. They're just, you know, some don't quite click with you. Like Texas recently just hasn't quite cl- clicked with me. So a top four was really good. But for the most part, I expect to be a contender everywhere. You know, I have the ability to. But with the competition now, it's so easy to fall out of that area. It's so easy to just fall out of the, the, the window and suddenly you're, you know, qualifying fifteenth and it's a very different day for you. So I think that, you know, having a struggling year last year, we've put a lot of focus on this season and um, you have lots to review and improve upon. It's a years where you're really dominant and you come back, you really haven't had anything to sit back and kind of improve upon as and, and everyone else has. Is where you struggle. And that, that was really the case. In twenty twenty I was really strong. You know, five poles running at the front all the time. And and twenty-one came back, not very strong. You know, as a whole team we all struggled, but but uh, uh, so I feel like this year I'm fixing all the little problems that made us not strong last year and we're gonna be in a better spot everywhere, I hope, this year.
0: Polls are very important to you. You're only a few behind Mario Andretti in and the all-time career pole record in IndyCar. Also, starting up front has to be pretty important in a tough street course like Long Beach. So how much of your emphasis this weekend will go into winning the pole? Yeah, every weekend
1: it's, you know, a big emphasis on winning pole, but you still got to keep the whole, you know, you got to have a pretty broad view of the season. So, yeah, but at the end of the day, when you go to qualify you are putting everything on the table you're not leaving anything you know if you're leaving something left you won't be on pole and that happened to me at st pete i left a little on the table because i was quickest in the two rounds before the final round the fast six and you know you just left leave a little bit on the table and you don't get pole so you got to play that pretty well Yeah, it's only one time in the whole weekend where you are at absolute 100%. You're giving everything, and and that is qualifying. And then even then, it's only for one or two laps that you're doing that at that level. Because if you're doing it every lap, you're eventually you're going to crash. You can't, you know, you can't push to that level all the time, only in qualifying.
0: When you're driving a lap on at that level at Long Beach, what is that lap like? It is not
1: how how much commitment and how close you come to the walls and if you watch New Garden's pole lap from last year, it's one of that will give you an indication he's on the absolute edge. He's living just inches to the wall, like literally not I'm sorry, not inches like millimeters. he's almost touching the walls he goes around It's one of the neatest laps i've ever seen i think and uh uh yeah i mean and then that's 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 what it's all about it's tremendous for a track with so many corners it blows my mind that you know the top 10 will be covered by three tenths three tenths of a second you know the whole field by a whole set you know one second it's just it's just crazy how, how tight it is now. Like, when to think about the amount of corners you have to get right, and they're not all similar corners either. You know, you got the slowest hairpin in, in, on the whole series, and you got a fountain, you got, you know, some pretty, you got a big mixture of corners there, and then, you know, 10 cars are covered by sometimes two tenths,
0: two to three tenths. It's just blows your mind that that many people are getting it so right. You can be driving a race on a street and road course where you're getting everything so right and then the yellow can come out at the wrong time. And I know you are a major advocate of opening the pits during yellow. Yeah. And how that almost creates an unfair situation for the best cars in the field. Yeah. How many times have you seen that happen at Long Beach? Um,
1: Yeah, I can't remember now because I've, been in it so long you know i think this is my i'd say it's probably my 17th time to long beach so in many scenarios obviously you can be on the the receiving end of that yellow um would be to get lucky but but you know you can be yeah on the wrong side of it and be caught out and it's a rule that i really dislike um Actually, you've got to find a way around it that's safe because the problem is with leaving the pits open, when it goes yellow, that people will continue to push and push past the accident. Uh, and if you've ever been in a wall hard, you certainly don't want that. You know, right now, as soon as it goes yellow, everyone knows they can just lift off. There's no consequence to it. Um, you know, you're not going to lose anything because everyone's got to pack up and then wait for the pits to open. But, you know, I've certainly given IndyCar some good suggestions where you could have a, it goes yellow, you got three seconds to get on the pit speed limiter and you just drive around or, or you could have a separate limiter that's a little bit faster than the 50 mile an hour, you know, something that may be 70 and everyone just, you know, does that. But even that has its its own issues because then if you um, have pitted under green, obviously when you were in the pit lane, people were going past at, um, uh, you know, you know 190 mile an hour down the front straight there and then obviously the rest of the lap the average speed and you know that average speed goes from in the hundreds of miles you know 100 and something mile an hour down to like 70 mile an hour so there'd be a discrepancy there as well like you know if you've waited you've gone long you've waited and you go on the pit lane now everyone's only at 70 mile an hour so you get a big advantage so either way there's there's it's it's not ideal. I think the ideal would be if you had a system that you could actually get a sector, the sector where the crash is, the car, car ends up on a limiter remotely or you don't even have to press it and then something like that. But yeah, it's tough. There's always compromise. It's motorsport. On one hand, the yellow cost me potential win at the first race in St. Pete, but then a the yellow took me from eighth to third at Texas, you know, just from a good, Pit lane, everyone packed up and put me in a in a better position. So, yeah, you'll win and lose. Hopefully, it evens out. But it, for me, because I've always run, you know been running at the front of these street courses and road courses, it, it I have lost more than I have gained. I could almost guarantee that.
0: And as you look ahead to Long Beach, the stars come out for that race. Has Willpower ever been starstruck by any of the big name celebrities that have shown up out there? Um, I saw George
1: Lucas there. That was pretty cool. Uh, he always came out to have a look at the cars. Obviously, he would be interested in that sort of thing when you think about the sort of crafts that he has to imagine up for his for the, for the Star Wars movies. But um, the only guy I've ever been starstruck by, and it was in Toronto, it was Ricky Gervais. Because I, I had been a huge fan of his from way back, like when the original... UK office came out, you know the the TV show The Office, and and yeah, that's the only guy I've ever been
0: like quite nervous to talk to because he was such a big star to me. Last year, Team Penske had what was considered an unpensky like season. Do you feel that a lot of the issues uh, and needs have been addressed this year by the great start the team's off to? I'd say there's a big change the engine.
1: Um, we've certainly. You know, Chevy and Elmore have really, you know, now down the drivability on the engine side, definitely better on that front and a bit of power and on the on the team front. Obviously, we struggled last year, so we took a pretty close look at some of these places and areas where we struggled. And uh, I would say there's a bit of luck too last year, a bit of luck, like leading Detroit and the car doesn't start, you know, just a... And the brakes failing. Well, yeah, that's kind of on us to get right. You know, Newgarden having just a strange gearbox issue. You know, he all had, he had uh, Road America all but one. So a couple of those are just, just rotten luck. You know, I mean, yeah, you would have said that Newgarden kind of got unlucky there at Detroit. I can't remember what happened, but Pato got him. It was just good restart, but that that's just racing. He still finished second. Yeah. So yeah. You know, I, I think we have improved the engines. Improved, um, but it's not much. Didn't doesn't take much in this series to to flip it.
0: And speaking of engines, last week you tested the 2.4 liter V6 twin turbo engine that has more horsepower. Will not be in IndyCar competition until 2024, but it will uh, also include the hybrid assist component to it. The test didn't have the hybrid assist to it. I know you're limited as to what you can talk about from that test, but what can you say about how the test went and how much you could feel the extra horsepower with the 2.4 liter? It was definitely more power. Um, honestly, if they did not
1: do the hybrid and you just they, they kind of lighten that gearbox up like they're going to and you have put it in this current car, it would be very close to what car champ car was. Adding the hybrid, the weight which we did have in just ballast, it was, it ta- it makes it a very kind of lazy car in my opinion. It's uh, it's a pity. It's a pity. I would much rather um, not have that weight. I mean that. Yep, the weight, the the hybrid that will be in there brings another hundred horsepower. But the two point four is going to be enough horsepower. I mean that thing's going to be up around eight hundred and fifty horsepower. I think when they're all said and done. And yeah, I mean that's. That's enough power right there. You know, when we get into the 950, that's that's a lot of – I think all the drivers would like to see the car lightened, um, which is quite difficult because none of the team owners want to go and have to buy another car. But what needs to happen is they need to redesign a whole car. And, I mean, we've had this thing for 12 years. It's been a long time. It's a long time. Like if you average a car out, like if you were to, you know, whatever a car costs over, you know, let's say – if we did a new car, then you, you can say, "Look, we're going to have this for a decade." It kind of ju- it, you know, justifies the money that you put into it. You know, you can, you know, having to buy a new car for another decade. So yeah, I, I get it from the team owner standpoint. We're all on the same stuff, so why does it really matter? Um, and I get it from a driver standpoint. I would love to drive a beast that's, you know, knock 200 pounds out of the, the current car or 100 pounds out of the current car and put an 850 horsepower engine in. Yeah, that's that's what you're talking about. That's a fun car. That's, you know, getting back to champ car and cart.
0: But can you do it by shaving weight off the current car or is that going to basically take a new car? It's going to take a new
1: car. There's just not enough areas um, to do that. Like, yeah, knocking, knocking a bit out of the, the gearbox. I honestly can't see how you can make it a well-weight distributed car if you're going to run that hybrid system. I can't really see, like you'd almost have to make a carbon gearbox and you know the you, and have the probably the diff on the back so you can you know move the suspension all the way back so the weight distribution is a little further forward. Yeah, it'd be tough. It'd be tough for that hybrid system to build a nice light car. There's plenty you can knock off that car in the uprights and the spindles. You can do lighter wheels. You could definitely do a whole lot of chassis, but the weight does not need to come off the front. The weight needs to come off the back. That's the thing. You it like you, Yeah, we could knock some weight out of it. If you knock it out of the front, you're going to make it even a, a more um, – a, a, a the weight distribution would be terrible. It's already – when you add all that weight on the back, it's already bad. Um, so every all the weight has to come from the back.
0: I know you have a very busy day ahead of you, and you've got a very busy week as we're all going to be off to – long beach here coming up in a, another day or two but will power the 2014 indycar series champion and winner of the 2018 indianapolis 500 good luck this weekend at long beach congratulations on a fast start to the season and thank you for joining us today on pit pass indy yeah no thanks bruce thanks for having me we'll be right back to pit pass indy after this short break In the world of racing, Penske means performance and winning. For good reason. Since 1966, Team Penske has won 44 national championships, 17 in IndyCar alone. And last year, Team Penske claimed its Indianapolis 500 record-extending 19th Indy 500 win with Joseph Newgarden, the latest driver, to win the famed race. Team Penske also won its second straight NASCAR Cup Series championship. Or, for household rentals, download the Penske Truck Rental mobile app today. And that puts a checkered flag on this edition of Pit Pass Indy. We want to thank our guest, 2014 NTT IndyCar Series champion and 2018 Indianapolis 500 winning driver, Will Power of Team Penske, for joining us on today's podcast. Along with loyal listeners like you, our guests help make Pit Pass Indy your path to victory lane for all things IndyCar. For more IndyCar coverage, follow me at Twitter at Martin, one word, uppercase B, uppercase M, underscore, five hundred. This has been a production of Evergreen Podcast. A special thanks to our production team. Executive producers are Bridget Coyne and Gerardo Orlando. Recordings and edits were done by me, Bruce Martin, and final mixing was done by Dave Douglas. Learn more at evergreenpodcast.com. Until next time, be sure to keep it out of the wall.